Can I show that video? Can I, did I, did you send that video? No, this is my friend in Africa. Can you guys see that? That's why I go there, and I, um, when I preach, that happens. I come here, it's not the, quite the same. <laughs> and it's not Asian culture either. I've been to Korea where there's like a couple thousand people in an arena, and they're even more louder than the Africans. So it's, it's our North American culture. It's not our Asian culture. Amen? I, I showed you that because that guy in the green there is our partner in Africa, my partner in Africa. Uh, he works for the foundation I created, and uh, I want to just tell you a little story about him. When I met him, his wife died, and I didn't know that. And I was going to a village where the people haven't seen a Westerner. Uh, we're called Mzungus, like white people, but they anybody who's a foreigner is a Mzungu. So they, I got off the bus, and they were like, Mzungu, Mzungu, and you got a thousand children, like hundreds of children coming to touch you, and I don't know, have you, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people touching you because they're so amazing, like they're so, they've never seen a white person or a foreigner, so they're like touching you, right? So it was like a really weird experience, um, but he was my driver, like a personal driver because I was one of the speakers and he would just personally drive me and uh, I just got to know him. I said, you know what, I want to sit beside you, I want to talk to you. And then we started talking, we became friends. I just thought he was my driver. And then I really liked him, and he told me about his wife. He passed away, I prayed for him, and just getting along. And I just thought, oh my, this guy is like regal. There's something noble about him. So I, started, I gave him a prophetic word. I said, I feel like God is telling you, God is telling me to tell you that you're like royalty, you're regal. There's something, there's something, no, something noble about you. And he got really encouraged, because he was down. He was going through a hard time. Um, I didn't know, I lost contact and I called him a couple of years later and I feel like, I told him, I feel like God wants me to work with you. I don't know what you do, but you want to work with me in Africa? I need somebody I trust and I feel like I trust you because you have a noble, good and noble heart. And I said, I'm actually in Brazil on a ministry trip. I didn't know if you knew, but I was, I'm a pastor. Oh, wow, good. All right, we're like-minded, so let's work together. He said, oh, I, I also uh, want to tell you, I didn't know that... I don't know if you knew, but I, I became the president of the Assemblies of God in Uganda, which is the largest denomination. Over, that's 900 pastors in Uganda. Those are not people. Those are all pastors. He organized that conference for... He said, man, I was so busy. He just called me. He said, I'm so busy, brother. But I just wanted to connect with you. He said, I'm still working hard for our foundation and he said, next year you come, I'm going to gather all those people too. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? We're designed for connection. You are designed to connect. Your future 
is intertwined with somebody that's going to come into your life. Now, I'm ending my series on Nehemiah and transitioning to something else. But Nehemiah came in just at the right time. Like There was another guy named Ezra and another guy named Zerubbabel. They tried to do the same thing, but they couldn't do it. They needed Nehemiah's expertise. Somebody that was not even in the group, but somebody came from afar to come and to partner with them to build something that they couldn't do for 140 years, which they did in 52 days. We're designed for connection. Our destiny is intertwined with somebody that's in your life or is going to come into your life. You guys following what I'm saying? I remember I had a friend, um, well, he, before he became my friend, I was 13. I just came to Canada when I was eight, so I'm 1.5 generation when I was eight, so that's like 44 years ago. Came, um, my dad was so cheap, even though he had money, he's a computer programmer, he made us live in the, like the worst neighborhoods of Toronto. Martin Grove, near Regent Park. You guys know what I'm talking about. Bad areas. And then he said, he said well, this neighborhood's bad, so we got to move. And, he, and then we went to Cabbage Town, which is not so much. Oh, my gosh. So. And I toughened up. Oh my God, I was like, I got to get tough here. I got to fight. I got to toughen up because I'm getting beat up every day. I'm getting bullied. So I had a tough exterior, but my heart was soft, and I was longing to be with friends. I needed somebody. And then my mom, my mom saw that I didn't have a lot of friends, but I just kept fighting. Obviously, black guys, fat lips. I was coming home. She said, you need some friends. So she said, you know what? Korean people are the best. <laughs> so Korean, Korean kids are nice. She had no clue. We're going to send you to Korean school. But mom, I speak Korean fluently. No, you go there. You get good grades. Excellent. You be the top student, and then I'm going to and then you go and you make some Korean friends. So I went to the school, and it was so boring because I, they were like teaching these kids how to say hello and goodbye, counting numbers. I was doing multiplication in Korean. I still do multiplication in Korean. I was bored. And then, but they had this like outings, summer out, like outings, right? So we had after Korean school in the morning, we would go like to a pool or like amusement park. So that day we're going to a swimming pool. And I was like acting all tough in the back of the bus. It's like I don't want anybody. So I'm rejecting people for, before they reject me. You guys know what that's like, right? Pretending you're busy so that nobody talks to you, but you really long to talk to people, but you don't want to feel like you're a loser. So You're rejecting people before they reject you, right? Tough exterior, acting like you don't care. All that is just your insecurities. So I was acting like that, and this kid came up to me, and he sat beside me, and he said, what's your name, man? And I said, what's it to you? <laughs> he said, what's your name? He said, hey, what's your name? And, and I'm like, this guy is so relentless. He goes, hey, we're going to go to the swimming pool. We're going to have fun together. What's your name? You want to be my friend? 
And finally, I'm like, Steve. He's like, Steve, my name is Juno. Hey, we're going to have fun together at the pool. Where are you from? Where do you live? He just kept like on and on. But secretly inside, my heart was like, boop, 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 so happy. And I was acting all cool, like, who's this guy? This is Joker. But then I was so happy. Somebody came and talked to me. And then we went to the pool, and he wasn't joking. He's like waiting for me to change. I'm like, dude, just relax. And then we're going. We're going to the pool. He's like, let's do this. Come on, let's go to the diving pool. Let's do this. And he was just like, do you guys? And, and then we're having fun, and he became my best friend. And I found out he's an only child. I'm an only child. He became like my brother. And then he said, we got to go to church. i got to make you a Christian. And I'm like, what is, what is Christianity? What is that? He goes, we'll go to church. We're going to go to retreat. And we're going to, what is a retreat? We're going to go away. You're going to take me away? What are we going to do? It's called a retreat. We're going to go there. We're going to have fun. We're going to have lots of fun. So I'm like, okay, I'm down for fun. I went. There's like service every day. I was like, what the heck is going on here? I have to sit here, listen to some guy talk about Jesus. I have no idea. But somehow at that retreat, God touched my heart. I didn't know anything. I didn't really know a lot of theology, but I just knew this is my home. I just knew God is real. And I don't know everything, but I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I just felt it. And I gave my life to Jesus, and I went to that church, and I became friends with that youth group, and that youth group became my family, and then my mom started beating me for going to church, and then she got embarrassed for, because this 13-year-old boy is taking the bus to go to church, and she's like, oh, I know some people in that church, because he was a hairdresser. I can't be embarrassed. So she went to church, and then she became a Christian. That one relationship with this kid that was just like very happy-go-lucky, he's a 52-year-old Man, but he's still like my brother. When I see him in Waterloo, he's like, hey, buddy, what's going on? He's still the same. But that relationship changed the trajectory of my life. I always wonder, like, what if I didn't go to Korean school? What if my mom had... <laughs> She's like, forget it. I don't care if you're getting beat up. I don't care. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter. She had the foresight, even in her twisted thinking... Send me to Korean school. What if I didn't go to Korean school? What if I didn't? What if this kid, I think his head was shaved at that time too, this weird monk looking kid came up to me and just like, what if, what if? You guys understanding what I'm saying? What if that didn't happen? What if I didn't respond? What if I, I didn't respond with some humility to just be vulnerable and say, yes, I want you to be my friend, and I didn't connect? It changed the trajectory of my life. I am here because of that. And what I'm trying to tell you is there's people that's going to come into your life that's going to change the trajectory of your life. We are designed for that. It's in the plan. It's in Genesis. You guys know Genesis, right? Yes, God created the earth and sky, the heavens. It's interesting that God, when he created the fish and the animals in the water, this is a narrative. I don't know if it happened exactly this way, but it's a narrative. And in this narrative, God is saying, I spoke to the water. And then the fish came and existed. And the fish and the water are symbiotically connected. You see, the, water, the fish cannot exist without water. 
The birds of the air, the birds cannot exist without air. So he spoke to the air. You guys follow me? Animals of the land, he spoke to the land, to the earth, and the animals existed. The tree cannot exist without the earth. You guys following what I'm saying? But when he made us, Adam and Eve, and in the Hebrew it means Adama, he created humanity. He created humanity. When he created humanity, he spoke to himself. He said, let us make. Instead of speaking to something, he spoke to himself. Because he understood that he, we cannot exist apart from him. He is our air. He is our water. He is our source of life. He said, when I create man, I'm not going to speak to the land. I'm not going to speak to the water. I'm not going to speak to the earth. I'm going to speak to myself. And I'm going to make human, humanity and in my image. And he didn't have to go. He could have just said, you know, Elohim, God. I, God, created man. He said, let us make. And, in, and that let us is, is a symbol of his triune, his communal nature. That we as human beings are created to connect with each other, bearing the image of God who lives in triune community. You guys following what I'm saying? God spoke to himself. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit existing in one. One but three, he said, let us make. And I want them to bear the image of us living together. That's why when he created Adam, he said, we need to create Eve to make this perfect. He created humanity as a collective. In our world of individuality, the Lord says, I made you as an individual with a unique personality to connect with people. Your nature as a person, as an individual, is designed to want to connect in a collective. You guys know why depression rates are going up in China? You guys know why? You guys know why the rate of depression in North America, I think, is like 40% now? It's not going down, it's going up. And China is skyrocketing later. The rate of suicide in developed countries like Japan is so high. Korea is going high. Do you know why? Number one, they're, it's like that wanting and never having like, everything that they want, whereas before they were content. Just... You know, like when I go to Africa, I give a kid a ball. That, that kid doesn't even have shoes, and they're playing with the ball for hours, and they're just so happy. And they go home, they eat some rice, and they're happy. Do you understand? The rate of depression in Africa is actually lower than North America. But I, I also believe it's because of the collective nature of these communities. Like, China used to be a communal like village-oriented nation. But now it's very individualistic. And personal like success and personal gain and 
You know how many students of mine, they don't even want to get married, they don't have children because they want to make sure that they're taken care of. That desire for family and community is starting to wane. And that individualism is reigning supreme. And so, but we aren't designed that way. When you are separated from God's design, you're going to feel the effects of it. Are you guys following what I'm saying? When you're separated from God's design who created you to connect with people and be in a collective and you separate from that, you isolate yourself and you, be, you try to take care of your life by yourself, automatically what's going to happen, you're going to separate from the source of life. God created us to bear His image as a collective. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Can I see the picture? Anybody know what this picture is? I feel like I'm teaching school today. You know what this picture is? Anybody? You get a bonus mark as the best church member ever in this church. I think I mentioned this before. No? Oh, I gotta teach you some theology, guys. This is uh, Aaron, the high priest. So this is Aaron, the high priest, and I just want to show you something. Am I gonna get feedback here? This is called the ephod. It's a garment he wears in front of the robe, high priestly robe, and this is what he wears on his chest on the ephod. 12 gemstones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. It's right on his heart. So when he goes into the presence of God, the high priest is carrying the people of God on his heart, the 12 tribes, which is the original church, original community of God that he created. Let's turn to Psalm 133. You guys alive today? No? Different atmosphere. You guys are like getting used to a different Psalm 133. You guys have it? You guys have phones? You just put in Psalm 133 and you, you get it. <laughs> It's like the days of when, oh, I forgot my Bible at home. This is Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. That's Aaron. Running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Everybody say blessing. Oil flowing down from the beard of Aaron. Like this, Aaron is actually representing a, like a prefigurement of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is our high priest. So when Jesus interceding for us, this is 
very, very, like a beautiful picture of Jesus interceding for us. He's carrying his people on his heart. When he goes into the presence of the Father, he's interceding. He's with his arms crossed, his arms stretched out wide. As the high priest, he's got, he's got you on his heart. You're never far from his heart. He's, he's, you are the apple of his eye. He, he cares for you. It's, you are right in the center of his heart. He, he feels you, understands you, he knows. But it's not just you as an individual. He's saying the 12 tribes, which symbolizes the 12 disciples, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. The first 12 disciples was, symbol, was a symbol of the church that he was going to build. Jesus is saying, look at the 12 tribes. It's, it's the church of God, the community of God. See, he's saying, I'm, just not, I'm not just carrying you. I'm just carrying the community that's coming together in perfect unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. When a church, a community of God dwells in unity, what happens? It's like oil. His blessing, his favor flows down from the beard to the church. You don't have to work for it. You just, what do we have to do as a church? We have to come together in unity. And unity is not uniformity. We just get along and we're like happy. We're not gossiping. That's just the first step. Unity is alignment. We're doing what we're supposed to do. You are called to this body and you are aligned, like bone on bone. Join together. By the love of Jesus and a call to be in this place and you're called to come together for a purpose. That's why when Ezekiel breathed life into the bones, they had to come together first before the flesh. The beautification of the people of God comes after the bones are joined together. You are a bone, I'm a bone. We come together, aligned together. In unity, aligned. That's why it's crucial for you to come to this place and understand that my destiny is, is tied to these people if you are called here. You guys, you guys are understanding what I'm saying. Adam cannot fulfill his purpose without Eve. Adam cannot do what he's supposed to do without Eve. This is a symbol of collective identity and purpose. You cannot achieve what you're supposed to achieve, Nathan, by yourself. That's why you can't just go to church and church hop and listen to a sermon and expect the fulfillment of your destiny in completion. Now, you'll fulfill some of it, but the things that God wants you to do, you cannot do it by yourself. That's why... That's why my wife and I had to pray real hard before we decided to commit to you guys. Can I hear an amen? amen? I have a friend of mine I said goodbye to. He's on our board, and he, he just went to Oklahoma. We're not, we don't want to go to Oklahoma. He went to Oklahoma an hour away from Tulsa, and they have one Starbucks in his city. I'm like, no way, I'm going there, man. <laughs> but you know what? They have three Chinese restaurants. Chinese people everywhere. Best Chinese food in Africa. Chinese people everywhere. Taking over the world. 
Even in, I don't even know how to say the name of the city. Takalala? Takalala? I don't know. He went to a mega church there. It's not a mega church. It's a mega church here, but it's like a church there. 1,500 people. It's like a small to medium-sized church in America. <laughs> Amen? But him and I, as, as pastors, we always prayed like, God, why am I with these people? When we were younger. Because <laughs> we had dreams and hopes. Because we understand clearly that my destiny is tied with you. And that's why it's frustrating as a leader when, you're, when you come in and you have no idea what, what you're doing and you're just like frustrated. That's why Moses could not go into the promised land. Did you guys know that? The first generation is like, okay, I'll give these guys a pass. 40 years in, in all these years in slavery, 40 years, they couldn't get their identity together. They didn't trust God. They had everything all together. God provided miracles and food, but they still didn't trust God. Okay, I got a new generation, uh, young people called Rain City, all these guys, young people. Now they will go into the promised land, and they're starting to act like the old people. And um, Moses said, I can't work. He got angry. God said, speak to the rock and give him water. Moses said, you rebellious people, and hit the rock. Because he was frustrated and hitting the rock was a symbol, an external expression of his anger and water came out and God said, just because you did that, you're not going to go into the promised land. Moses is like, what the? Just because of that? He said, yeah. Because God was saying, these are your people. Your destiny is intertwined with these people. And if you give up on these people, your destiny will be cut short. That's a sobering thought for me. So my wife and I had to think really hard before we said yes, because I know our future is tied with you guys, and some of your future is tied with us. Is this okay for me to say? Is it okay, Bernard, if I say it? We need each other. One takes 1,000 to fly, two, 10,000. That's 10,000. That's 10 times return on investment. Two people. One person can only do so much, but if you connect with somebody else, you can have 10 times the return, ROI, return on investment. You need each other. There's favor and, a favor and releasing a blessing when you come together with your personalities, giftings, and identities, and you come together in unity, and we all come together, there's something that happens because the oil flows down Aaron's beer. Where does it flow down to? To the church. And then it goes down to the feet. The feet. That means it's constantly flowing. His favor, his blessing is constantly flowing to the feet. And that means... 
There is no place that will not be blessed if the people of God are walking in unity. That's why I keep talking about how Vancouver could be rejuvenated, restored, if we as a church actually understand this concept and align ourselves, walk in unity, and understand the calling of God, not only to Jesus Christ, but to the body of Christ. You do that and you walk, everywhere you go will be anointed. It really does. That's why when I go to Africa, I got all the pastors united. Got hundreds of pastors united in one purpose, waving their hankies. We're all of like-mindedness to take over the nation of Uganda. That's why it's 85% Christians in that country. Why is it 1% in Vancouver? It's so hard to reach the people of God. It's not because the gospel of Jesus Christ is weaker in Canada. It's because the church of Jesus Christ is not rising up as to its potential. When you're trying to escape the world, I told you last week, that's false prophecy. And anybody who leads you to want to escape the world... Because you're going to be tainted by the evil and darkness of the world. That's a false prophet. Jeremiah. There was a guy named Hananiah. That told the Israelites, when you go, when you're captured and you're going to Babylon, which is one of the most evil and corrupt empires, and they've, they've kidnapped your children and killed people, and they're, they're going to take you into captivity. Those are your enemies. And when you go in there, don't even live in the city. Live in the outskirts. Don't participate. Just escape. That's what the church is doing. Escape. Don't do anything. Don't engage with the culture. But Jeremiah said, don't listen to Hananiah. That's a false prophet. Jeremiah says, I am the true prophet. Go into Babylon. It's Christ in you is the hope of glory for the world. Your feet are anointed. It doesn't matter how you got there. When you get there, instead of you being tainted, you would taint the world with the goodness of God. Can I hear an amen? That's powerful. You go in and then you affect the environment. Not that the environment doesn't affect you. But to do that, we got to be aligned. That's why Nehemiah 7 starts to number the tribes. He said, oh, I built the wall. The people are not here, so I built everything. Where are the people? He said, let me see who's with me and who's not. Then he started to go down the tribes and the clans and the families. He said, who's with me and who's not? Who's here? And so the question that's resounding in my heart for the next season, because I have hopes and dreams for this church, Josh, too, and our leadership, we have hopes and dreams, but we know we cannot do it alone. I, Joshua and Caleb couldn't go into the promised land by themselves. No matter what, Caleb's like, I'll take it, I'll do it all by myself. And God's like, no, you can't do it. He said, you need your people. And so my question is always, who's here? Who's called to this place? Now, if you're here, you're just like, I just came here for the first time. What's going on? You're welcome. You're welcome to be here. You're, you're welcome to listen to the message. And maybe it relates, maybe it doesn't. 
But you guys, some of you guys have been coming here for a while. And there has to be a decision to transition. There has to be a decision where you decide to um, accept the fact that this is your home. This is my house. This is God's home for me. These are my people. This is my family. These are my brothers. Instead of calculating, like who's good, who's gifted, who can give me this, who can give me that. If my wife and a cal- if my wife were calculating people, we would not be here for, with you guys. Can I just be honest? Why would we, at the age of 52, start another church with a bunch of 20-year-olds? Why would we do that? Transient 20, 20-year-olds, they're like, I'm going to Europe for two weeks. I'm going to Mexico. I'm, uh, oh, that's good, but you know. Oh, we're going to do a camping trip, all 20 of us. Okay, we're, who are the, who's going to show up to church? I've already done that, 2001 to 2018. I've been there, done that. Why would you do it again? Because we're not here because we've calculated that you guys are going to do this and we're going to do this. We've just listened to the call and obeyed the voice of God that wants us to be here. And from that voice, from that calling, we know something great will arise. But I need you to hear that same call. (sighs) Amen. Amen, Steve. I'm with you. Yes. Okay, this one guy. One guy said, I'm with you. I, I hope you hear my heart because I'm, I'm going to be preaching about this for a while. It's not only for this church, it's for you. Your, your, your micro destiny is linked with your macro purpose for the greater body of Christ that's expressed in the local church. If you read the Bible, there's one thing that survives everything. It's the bride of Jesus Christ. No matter how tainted, how, how the church has been ruined by division and disunity and misalignment and wrong theology and pastors who are like leadership and all that. You guys hear what I'm saying. No matter how much that church goes through all of that and you can say, I don't need the church. I, I, have, I have people who are like starting churches called church... I, I don't want to even say the name, but they're starting churches and they're actually trying to say, we are not church. The the name of the church is not church. I don't want to say the name. (laughs) I'm like, what's what's your church name? We're not a church. That's the name of the name of the church. We're not a church. What? What is, you're not a church? But you're a church. No, but we're not a church. We're or church, well, let's reimagine what church is. Bless you. God bless you for doing that. But the Lord Jesus Christ is sustaining the one thing that's going to be the key to the restoration of the city, which is the church. It's in the Bible. That's why no matter how much I want to give up, I want to... Just be an itinerant speaker. I want to do this and write books or just be a professor or just do this. No matter how much the Lord keeps calling me back to the church, no matter how much experiences that were negative in my life. I was doing my coaching. Every period of my life involved the church 
and every period involves some kind of leadership failure. More than you, I have every reason to say, forget the church. I don't want to be part of a church. More, I think if you guys tell me your stories, let's share stories. I think I'll win. I'm just I'm betting, I'll bet you $100, maybe $50, $50. I'll bet you $50 that my story sucks more than your story. I've had international leaders come up to me and they hear my story and they're like shocked. That's the worst story I've ever heard. Thank you for that. Thank you for telling me that's the worst experience that I've ever heard in life. And then why did I go through it? We don't know, brother. But there must be a plan for you. Well, that doesn't help me right now while I'm going through it. There's more than plenty of reasons for my wife and I to not give up and not trust you and not connect ourselves and not be called to this body. But we do it out of obedience because there is a hope for greater glory and because it's in the Bible. And I believe if we do it right, the blessings will flow. Your favor in life and the blessings that you're going to receive. I'm not saying everything in life will be honky-dory, but the sum total of your life will be full of blessings. Clear eyes, identity, future. All the things that you're hoping for, you're longing for in your life is intricately tied with the people around you. Look around. Look, around, look at somebody next to you. They have the keys to your future. No, I'm just, I'm being completely serious. Just look at somebody next to you, not your wife, <laughs> somebody else, and know that, wow, these people, if they unlock their future and I unlock my future and my destiny and, and we begin to understand why we're here and we connect like bone on bone, we become a body and we become unstoppable. It says, is like the dew of Mount Hermon. The oil is like the dew of Mount Hermon. Can somebody tell me when, when the dew appears? In the morning. Thank you, Bernard. You're an A-plus student. It appears in the morning. What are you doing all night? hopefully maybe Ty is not sleeping because he's working hopefully you're sleeping at night so the dew appears in the morning while you're sleeping so what the Bible is saying is like this is a figure of Jesus and if we're lying to the head who is Jesus and the body is connected to Jesus the right way and the church is a line beautified with all the different personalities and different colors of stone. It's in, in the heart of Christ. The oil is flowing down. It's going to bless the church. Come down to the feet and anoint every place you go. And it is like the dew of Mount Hermon. It's going to appear and give life while you're sleeping. I don't know about you guys, but I like that. I'm busy. I got a lot of jobs. I like it when I sleep and things happen. 
I don't have to work so hard and try, 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 try. That's toiling. Toiling is you working so hard without God and everything you produce is with your own hands. Working is with God. How many guys know Adam and Eve worked in the garden? It's the same amount of work, but they were working with God. They were yoked with Christ. And so they did what they were supposed to do, and then everything occurred as it should be. And that's not just a lesson for you as an individual, but as a body together. God is calling us to go somewhere together, and your destiny and your future is also intertwined with our collective destiny. Amen? So it's very important that you align yourself with somebody or a church or a group and pray real hard. Don't calculate. Oh, they got good worship here. We have good worship here. Oh, they got good preaching. I like that. I'm telling you, not every sermon I preach is going to be the best. Sometimes I hit a single. Sometimes I strike out. Sometimes I hit a home run. (laughs) Good pastors. Oh, they're the best counselors, or they got this program, and they got that program. Don't calculate. Receive the call of God. Are these my people? Everybody needs a clan. Everybody needs a family. Apart from that, you're not going to fully grow because you're not going to be planted. You need to be planted. Stop church hopping. Stop looking elsewhere. My wife and I, we committed to this church. We go to other churches. I've spoken at some other churches, and they want us to come back. And they're like, when are you going to come back? When are you going to speak? They said, our services start at the same time now, so I can't. And I've known them like for almost 18 years. The church has grown. <laughs> but ask me if I have a longing to be there. They have amazing worship. Like, almost like Hillsong level with screens everywhere now. I'm like, wow, that's pretty good worship. I remember it was just one little PowerPoint. Now it's just like zooming with speakers and wow, it's amazing. All the lights, fancy lights. All they need is smoke now. By the way, I hate that smoke. It causes me. I don't like it for my lungs. But it's like all good, and the people have grown and matured, and I'm like, wow, this is a great church, and they want me. Why? I should go there. Never think like that. For this season, I'm married to you. Justin, I'm married to you. I know you're getting married to Tab, but I'm also married to you. We're covenanted together. And it's going to be really hard to break that covenant. It's like, that's why it's bone on bone. That's why for me to break that covenant, you would have to break my bone. That's how hard it is for me to leave a place. That's why I stayed at my old place for 18 years. Probably should have left a little earlier. Because I have that calling. Like Until God says out, I'm not going to leave. And it has to be very clear. Do you understand? It's like that marriage to my wife. I mean, 
there's days when I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? What's wrong with my wife? And she looks up at me and goes, I can't believe I have to, marry, I have to be married to this guy for another 20, 30 years. Oh my gosh. Right, honey? Not now. Before. We got some counseling, a lot of counseling. And the early days when I used to chase her around and argue all night, I wonder, like, what, what is going on? What, who did I marry? What's going on? The D word never entered our minds. She's my wife. The good and bad forever. Now, I'm not saying your church relationship is like that. I understand different locations, different places. But what I am trying to say is that loosey-goosey, like, I don't feel like going. I don't feel like participating. You can't have that and, not, and grow. And if this is not the place for you, you need to find a place where you have that. You love the one you chose. You don't choose the one you love. You love the one you chose. I chose, so I love. I decide to love every day. I decide to give into it every day. I, I love the one that I have chosen unconditionally. Amen? You know what? I think I have so many more things to say, but I'll leave that for next week. Why don't we stand? I said a lot more than I wanted to say. That's me, though. If it's in my heart, I'll just say it to you. I hope you understood my heart. Can you guys, on this, on this side, you understood what I was saying? You guys understood what I was saying? You guys understood what I was saying? Yeah, I don't want, to get, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. We're not a cult. We're not, <laughs> we're not telling you, like, this is it. This is the only place. In fact, we're not a cult because I'm telling you, go find some place. I'd rather have 20 people or 10 people or 15 people that are, that say, that come up to my wife and I. You know what gives us joy? When they, people come up to us and become vulnerable and say, I don't know where we're going, but I'm with you. I don't fully understand everything, but I feel like God has called me to this body and I want to help. When that happens, I act all cool. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. But in my heart, and like, I also want to, like, tears are coming down because that's what we're longing for. We're longing for a family. We're longing for people that we can do things together. We can do and take over together. I'd rather have, in Africa, before we got to that, 12 years ago, I had five pastors. Five. Not everyone's with us. But not everyone's stuck together, but from that five, that was created. You guys are understanding what I'm saying? I don't need 50. I don't need 100. I don't even need 400. I've done all that. Actually, some of the loneliest times in my life was when our church was like 400, sometimes 500 people, and I felt very empty. Because I want, looked around, and I'm like, who's my family? But when our church was like 20 people, and they'd come to our townhouse, and we would pray all morning, I'm like, I'm so happy. 
And we would pray all morning. We would have breakfast. And we would pray together. We would dream together. And people are like, how can I help? And everybody rolled up their sleeves and set up the chairs and everything. And they would come early and they would help. And whatever you need, let's do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. We didn't have committees or assignments and groups and formal newcomers and all that. People just did everything that was needed because it was the family's business. It's my house, they said. This is my house, so I need to clean it up. If there's garbage on the house, I need to pick it up. This is my place. I'm not a guest here. I sleep here. I eat here. Those were the best times of my life. You guys understand me. Because from that, I knew something great could happen. So no pressure, but I just felt like I need to draw a little line in the sand. Time for us to move forward. Amen? Okay, just put your hand on your heart. I know some of you are not from this church or some of you are visiting. Maybe some of you don't even believe in Jesus Christ and you're not a Christian. But just know this. You're designed to connect, be part of a family, a tribe, a clan. My question to you is, who's your family? Who's your clan? Who's got your back? Who's going to speak life to you? Who can you speak life to? But if you've been here a long time, well, it's only two years. <laughs> but you've been here for a while and you've been coming and you feel the longing of God's heart and, it, and it's hard to trust people. I, I get it. People always come up to us and say, how can we trust you? My question is always, I always return it and go, how can I trust you? Well, you act like I, we don't have issues with trust. How can I trust you, Bernard? How can I trust you? Nathan, how can I trust you? How do you know you're not going to like do something crazy later? It's the same thing. But I have chosen to trust. Extend my heart to you. And I'm asking you, if this is the place for you, I'm asking you to open your heart. Say, I trust that this is the place that God has planted me and I want to build together. And that's what Nehemiah said. Who's with me? Who's going to build with me? Who are my brothers and sisters? I don't want to do like raising of hands or anything like I'm with you I want you to really think carefully don't be swayed by the moment just really think carefully because it's a very, very serious thing that I'm asking you to do my wife and I we, we need you my future is also linked with you
So let's join hands together. You got hand sanitizer so you can sanitize your hands afterwards. Father, we come together as a family. I know there's a lot of people missing. Maybe some of them are watching online. Some of them had vacations, and I hope they listen to this message. I feel in my spirit that things are going to transition, and the train has to leave the station. I'm going to say it one more time. In the next few months, the train is going to be waiting. But towards the September season, we're going to leave the station. We're going to, we're going to get going. I got a prophetic word in Bethel. It said we're going to be a bullet train. It's going to go fast. And I'm asking you whether you want to get on that train. It doesn't mean you can't come and visit. You can come and observe until you feel you're ready to get on. There'll be another place where we stop and you get on there. This is just an analogy, by the way. But I feel like God is calling me to ask you that. Get on that train. Father, build this church. Align us together. Make us knitted together as one heart, as brother and sisters, as, as a family. Like David and Jonathan, covenant together. Paul and Silas, Peter and Mark, Ruth and Naomi, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy. Knit us together. Call us to this place for a greater purpose yet unknown. Bind us as a family in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God glory. One more time. All right. So, yeah, I'll give you some time. I would love it. It would make my heart go pew, pew, pew. I don't know why I do that. That's my, I think my kids used to do that. Pew, pew, pew. So, uh, I don't know how to express the delight that we will feel if you came up to us and said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I can help, but this is my family. It'll make us tear up, but I'll act cool. Like, thank you. But knowing my heart, and then tears. Amen? So let me give you some time to think about that. I really need to know because we have plans. We want to do things. I need people around us. I need to know who's with us and who's not. Amen? All right. God bless you.